You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlitt. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I am broadcasting live, but pretty much recorded from the Vivid Seat Studios. Make sure you use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time, customers only. Voice is getting there. I'll be, I'll be back to hitting that in no time. So while the world still reels from the most um, egregious game in history, um, I'm going to look forward, as I already started doing yesterday, uh, because football is on again on Sunday. I don't, I don't know if you guys knew that. There's more football coming up. And so today my focus is going to be on the Oakland Raiders, and I'm going to be looking to kind of just generally look at their team in the game. Tomorrow is strategy day. And then Sunday is going to be Positivity Sunday. A couple notes before we get started. First of all, I want to remind everyone about the um, jersey giveaway. There are three signed and certified jerseys that uh, we're going to be giving away. The only thing you've got to do is follow Packernet Podcast on Instagram. That's the name, Packernet Podcast. A couple people jumped on there and they're like, all right, what do I need to do? Just follow. That's it. Um, you don't have to throw it in the Facebook group, although if you want to, I don't care. You don't have to comment on anything in the uh, in- Instagram profile. You-, you just follow. That's it. It's one of the perks outside of you know what I did last time with the giveaway was uh, for iTunes. That was complicated because I can't track you down via iTunes. Instagram I can because I can just grab a follower and message you. So be sure to take advantage of that. And again, the way that this is going to work is um, the first winner gets their pick of a jersey, and then we're going to continue it, pick a second winner, they get to pick what's left of the jerseys, and then the third winner gets the last signed jersey that's available. Also, um, if anybody has any pictures from the game, any videos from the game, anything they'd like to share, it could be pictures of your family or, or whatever. Um, I want to start sharing some of that stuff on Instagram because that's kind of what Instagram is good for, right? So anything like that that you'd like to have featured or whatever, go ahead and shoot it my way and um, we'll get it put up on Instagram. I'm also planning on doing some other stuff on there. I know a lot of people have been talking about wanting me to do live this or that or whatever. Instagram's probably where that's going to happen because it's kind of just easier that way. But anyways, um, be sure to do that. What else? I think that's it. couple of uh, football-related notes. As I'm sure you're very much aware, uh, Patrick Mahomes was injured and is out, I believe, officially out already for the Packer game with a dislocated knee. Um, obviously, this gives the Packers a little bit more of an advantage in that game. However, you may have also noticed the Chiefs still won 30-6, and let's not forget what Teddy Bridgewater has been doing for the Saints. So uh, wish Pat Mahomes the best. Definitely not the kind of way you'd like to win that game. I had been saying for a long time that I think we have an opportunity to beat the Chiefs at full strength, and that would have been um, great to be able to see. But I don't want anyone to get the impression that the Chiefs are easy to beat now. I I think um, similar to the Saints, 
the Chiefs have a good amount of firepower on offense, even without Pat Mahomes, and they also have a very, very intelligent coach who is going to be able to figure out how to make Matt Moore look like a really, really good quarterback. Um, I mean, you look at the one touchdown Matt Moore had, uh, you know, two punts in a row, right? They weren't getting anything going after the half, punt, punt. Then they come back out, he gets a 16-yard pass to Robinson, then nails a 57-yard touchdown to Tyreek Hill. This is still a dangerous team, so I don't want anyone sleeping. And speaking of sleeping, um, the Oakland Raiders are are a little bit for real. Now, I, I don't necessarily think they're that good of a team in terms of talent, but they're finding ways to win, and I really do think we need to give some credit to John Gruden for that because I think they're playing better than what their team is. And we also understand with the Green it's true of every team, but the Green Bay Packers are a team that right now has a bunch of players that can be really good when they're on and really bad when they're off. And it almost becomes a question of who's going to be on and who's going to be off in this game. So, I mean, I'm sure you've heard by now the opportunities the Packers have. Obviously, the Oakland Raiders are, it, it, that is a winnable game, especially at home. Noon game at home. Oakland Raiders are traveling all the way from the West Coast. Then you got the Pat Mahomes list Kansas City Chiefs on the road. Then you got the Chargers who are kind of in a bit of a tailspin. Then you got the Carolina Panthers who, although there's some talent there and Cam Newton's, I believe, more than likely going to be back. He's already off. Um, he's already probably. They have a bye this week, but the next week he's probably going to be playing. So there's a potential for three wins there. Then we got the San Francisco 49ers, but we're coming out of our bye, which is helpful. Then we got the Giants, which should be a win. We got the Redskins, which should be a win. I mean, it's not impossible to go 5 of 6 again and be 10 and 2 by the time we get to week 14. On the flip side, it's not impossible we lose to the Raiders. It's not impossible we lose to the Chiefs. It's not impossible we lose to the Chargers. It's not impossible we lose to the Panthers. It's certainly not impossible we lose to the 49ers. We won the tough games very closely. We need to make sure we don't lose the easier games closely. And again, I don't even necessarily want to call the Chiefs an easy game or the Panthers an easy game or the Chargers or the Raiders or the 49ers, obviously. So, I mean, nothing really changes. I mean, every single one of these games, I'm kind of going in with the same mentality of it's winnable, but I'm a little nervous. That's how I felt about the Lions. I mean, it, you know, we almost lost to the Lions. We almost lost to the Cowboys. We've almost lost a lot of these games. And the only reason I say that is they, they need to go in, and I'm sure they will. I don't, I don't think this is the kind of team that, that comes in too arrogant and thinking this is going to be easy. I think there's a lot of guys still with a lot to prove. I think Aaron Rodgers always has something to prove. You know, I mean, Aaron Jones isn't coming in cocky. Jamal Williams isn't coming in cocky. Zero of these wide receivers or tight ends are coming in cocky. Um, I think Bakhtiari's got a lot to prove. And the interior offensive line has been looking at plenty of bad tape. I, I just I can't think of anybody outside of maybe Jair that would come in with with too much swag, and and that's hardly worrisome considering how bad their wide receiver group is. Who's going to be coming in with too much swag? The the pass rushers maybe the Smiths, but they're grinders, man. These aren't showboating wide receivers. These are workers. These are guys who got where they are the hard way. These aren't guys coming fresh out of college like big shots thinking that they already know everything. They've struggled and they've suffered. They've been through bad teams. They've had a lot of bad years where they were not very good and nobody cared about them and they were not drafted early. So I'm confident that they're going to come in with the right attitude. 
they better because I, I think the Oakland Raiders are the kind of – we saw it last week against the Chicago Bears. It was the same thing. I think Chicago came in thinking that this is going to be a W for us, and Oakland came in and just kind of played a Bill Belichick kind of game. Like, we, we can't do much, but we're going to do everything we can to take away what you do and optimize what we do and just play the game our way and, and see how it goes, and that's what happened. They played it their way, played some smash-mouth football, because John Gruden likes physicality. He likes blood, gut, sweat, and tears. And they ground out a victory. Also, should be noted, the Oakland Raiders are coming out of a bye right now. Second week in a row that we're going to have to go up against a team that has had two weeks to scheme against the Green Bay Packers. The biggest benefit, I think, to counteract that is the fact that the Green Bay Packers offense has looked different every single week. The defense has been relatively stagnant, and I don't mean that in a bad, bad way. I mean, they're they kind of have a way of doing things. They've, they've got a, this is us, and we're just going to bring it to you. The offense, I swear, is different every week. You know, who is featured, how we play. You know, do we feature the run? Is the run good or bad? Is it Jamal or Aaron? Is it a heavy dose of wide receivers? Is it a heavy dose of, you know, is Vitaly getting involved? Um, is it the tight ends that are carrying the team? Are we throwing it deep a lot? Are we throwing it shallow a lot? Are we doing a lot of crazy trick plays and, and out of, you know, the – the 11 personnel out of the 21 personnel. Every week, Matt LaFleur has got something different dialed up. So it's going to be a little bit more challenging, which is beneficial. And, and beyond Matt LaFleur just constantly adjusting to things is the fact that things are changing, causing him to, forcing him to adjust. And on that note, and I'm supposed to be taking a break, but something else um, dawned on me. Talking to a friend about the Jamal and Aaron situation and about what I had already said about these pairings and how nice it is that when you got a guy that's not exactly having his best day, you got somebody else that steps up and is having his best day. Another great benefit of our rookie head coach who is currently 5-1, and one, how great is it to have a coach that says, you know what, let's just ride the hot hand. Mike McCarthy would never, ever do that. He always had it in his head, this player is my player, this is what's going to happen. If somebody was having a good day, it didn't matter. I have a plan. We're going to use Jamal 10 times. We're going to use Aaron 11 times. And it doesn't matter that Jamal is getting 1.2 yards per carry and Aaron's getting 5.4. I don't care. When Matt LaFleur sees something's working, he does it again and again and again. When Mike McCarthy saw something wasn't working, he just kept doing it over and over and over. He didn't adjust at any point. Even something as simple as, as I said, riding a hot hand. It could be already part of your plan, just do more of the other plan than this other plan, right? We had lots of plans, three, four, five things. Well, these three things aren't working. These two things are. Well, I don't care. We're sticking to all the plans. So shout out to Matt LaFleur for having something, one of many things that we appreciate about Matt LaFleur. Um, at least one of them should be his his willingness to adapt, not just change game, game plans at halftime. I'm just talking about, hey, this you know, even Alan Lazard, exact same situation right things aren't exactly going well and it's not even a matter of because this guy's trash it's just everybody as I've been saying for weeks now everybody has bad days sometimes a, a good coach recognizes that and says all right it's not working Matt, Aaron Rodgers comes in and is like all right how about Lazard and LaFleur's like all right sounds good and not just okay put him in but let's make him the primary read and it's working so let's stick with it and suddenly he's featured as the essentially the number one wide receiver on the team. Why? Simply because it's working. For no other reason. It's a glorious thing. On that same vein, I would also like to acknowledge the fact that um, 
you know, everybody is talking about, obviously for many years, although not quite as much anymore, but Sean McVay, right? You, you talk about great coaches, rightly or wrongly, Sean McVay is one of the first ones that comes up. I don't want to jump the gun, but it was I think it was such an unusual thing to see a coach jump in in a team that was 4 and 12 and take a team to 11 and 5 in his first year a young guy never been a head coach take a 4 win team make him an 11 win team at this point in his first year Sean McVay was 3 and 2 for Matt LaFleur to mimic the same sort of success that Sean McVay has and granted it's everything is not the same Sean McVay did not have um, Aaron Rodgers although Sean McVay did have other things that Matt LaFleur doesn't, but whatever. Point is, Sean McVay has four more losses that are granted to him throughout this year to end the same way. And there certainly aren't five games that we can't win. Meaning there's every reason to believe that he could end this season at 11-5 and five or better. It should also be noted that after Sean McVay's first year, he was able to reload in the offseason with uh, free agency as well as the draft to get some pieces that Sean McVay wanted and needed and came back and was 13-3, and three, taking the team to the Super Bowl in only his second year with the team. I, I'm, I'm just saying, and beyond that, let, let me, you know, as much as I don't want to push too hard in one direction, let me push even harder. I think Matt LaFleur has advantages that Sean McVay doesn't. Some of the disadvantages that Sean McVay has, first of all, is yes, he does not have the same quarterback. He doesn't have Aaron Rodgers. Now, he hasn't necessarily needed Aaron Rodgers. However, we're starting to see some some issues with the Rams, and primarily one of those things is the fact that they, he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers. We're starting to look at Jared Goff as a little bit more of a game manager, a little bit more of a get-the-ball-in-your-weapon's hands. Right? They like to run the ball, and they do that very well. They've got a very good offensive line, which was built by Sean McVay through free agency and the draft. They went out and revamped this offensive line. They got a top-tier running back. They went out and got a bunch of, of top-flight wide receivers, made them from really good wide receivers to elite wide receivers. Again, not as much this year, but that's the path that happened. But you look at what the Packers already have in Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. You look at what they already have in this offensive line. You look at what they already have in Aaron Jones. And you look at what they're having right now as far as their defense and the fact that this is a team that is built for the future, as I said, you know, a lot was on the line for Brian Gutekunst. If he messed this up, we are in trouble for a long time because these are young guys we paid a lot of money for that are going to, you know, Zadarius and Preston and Amos. If this didn't pan out, we were in a lot of trouble. This was a high-risk, high-reward proposition, and it is paying off, and it is about to pay off for the long haul. The Rams, on the other hand, are built on a much more rocky foundation. They spent a bunch of money on high-priced free agents while capitalizing on a rookie quarterback. That is a short-term strategy. These high-priced guys are going going to have to go. They also have not had the ability to use first-round draft picks because they've been trading them away so that they can get these top-tier talents. Again, you're, you're getting older players and more expensive players at the expense of the draft, which is how you build a team for the future. The Rams, the reason the Rams are going all in and going out and getting guys like Jalen Ramsey is because they're in panic mode, because they built a team to win now and not in the future. And if they don't win a Super Bowl, they're in trouble. And their team doesn't look as good. They're in panic mode. 
they're still a good team. I don't, I'm, you know, they could win the Super Bowl. They, everything's still in front of them. They're a team that's panicking. The Packers are better managed than the Rams. The Packers have a better GM and are drafting better than the Rams. The Packers manage their salary cap better than the Rams. The Packers have a better quarterback than the Rams. The Packers have a better number one wide receiver than the Rams. Anything the Rams have done and can do is available for the Green Bay Packers. Everything. And the only real difference that I can see is the fact that the Packers are set up for long-term success. As long as Aaron Rodgers is quarterback, this team is set up to win, and we've got several years of this. So as, as far as I'm concerned, I'm sold. The biggest question for, for the Packers, and, and this was a really big question, we were headed toward dark days. The coach had to go, the GM had to go, the defensive coordinator had to go. And again, I've said it several times, big, big, big round of applause for Mr. Mark Murphy. This team's continued success, if this team continues on the trajectory that it is, it's because of Mark Murphy. If you want to give the credit to Matt LaFleur, fine, but you got to give the credit to Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst for hiring Matt LaFleur. And why is, why is Brian Gutekunst even on this team? Why is he even the GM? It's because of Mark Murphy. The team was headed in a really dark direction. And although it's, we're not entirely out of the woods, I, I, just, I think everything is, is set up great. I really think the biggest piece is probably going to be Brian Gutekunst. I mean, that, that, that combo is everything. A great GM and a great coach, you're set up for life. That's why the Patriots are so good, because they have one guy that's really good at being a GM and a coach. I don't even think it's even close to a question when people say, well, is it does Tom Brady make Bill Belichick or does Bill Belichick make Tom Brady? There's an element of it being both, but it's absolutely Bill Belichick is the reason. But anyways, done with my tangents off of tangents off of tangents. Just feeling grateful today. Why don't we take our first break and we'll start looking at the Oakland Raiders and uh, see what we got going on. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Packers have a really, really big opportunity here to go 6-1 and one against the Oakland Raiders. Kind of like your opportunity to make a bunch of cash on this game. The last time I looked, actually I'm looking right now, the Packers are still favored by 5.5 points. Over-under still set at 47. So make sure before Sunday you get your bets in. 
If you're not into spreads and totals, remember they've also got player props. Or maybe we just roll the dice on a Super Bowl or an NFC North ticket. Whatever you decide to do, just remember that we've teamed up with MyBookie this October to give you a great offer. Sign up at MyBookie.ag, use promo code OVERTIME, and they'll match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME, and new users get their first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag, you play, you win, you get paid. All right, so the Oakland Raiders. Autumn wind and all that garbage. You know what's weird? For some reason, I decided to look that up. Autumn wind is a poem made for the Raiders, but it's an adaptation of a poem called Pirate Wind. Pirate Wind is a poem written by Mary Jane Carr, C-A-R-R. See, this is the kind of information you're only going to get on the Packernet podcast, man, unless you've heard it somewhere else, in which case, just keep your mouth shut and let me have this one, all right? I mean, they were born on the same side of the... I'm, I'm looking at Mary Jane Carr right now. She was born in Portland, Oregon. Derek Carr was born in Bakersfield, California. I'm just saying. If nothing else, it's poetic. Anyways, leave me alone. You know none of my truth, all right? So, first of all, the Oakland Raiders currently sitting at 3-2. and two, A very healthy 3-2. and Toe. toe. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Uh, I, I just... I'm, I'm kind of torn on this team. On one hand, I kind of want to believe in him. I want to believe in John Gruden. It'll be the ultimate, like, just, I don't know. It's kind of a cool story, right? He came in there. He blew it up. He gave away all the best players. He's like, I'm doing this my way. He rebuilds it and all that stuff. The biggest problem I think they're going to have is I really, I genuinely believe Mike Mayak is a very bad GM. I don't know if all the rumors are true, but I had heard rumors that essentially, that, you know, when you look at all the, the scouts that left or were fired or dismissed or whatever, all that kind of drama. There were also rumors that I had heard that essentially the scouts would come in and Mike Mayak would say something, you know, as far as, well, I don't agree. I think this guy's this, that, or the, and he couldn't hold, he couldn't back up anything he said. In other words, he's not a scout. For TV, he's great. You start going toe-to-toe with real scouts, people that have been doing this their whole lives, Mike Mayak can't hold his own. And so essentially he was getting embarrassed in meeting rooms or he would, he would kind of give his opinion similar to what happens on TV. And the scouts are looking at him like, what are you talking about? Like you, you, this is not even correct. And then you look at some of their draft picks and it's like this, you know, the, the Cleveland Furl thing is really weird. Like that was really, really early. And this was like a big shocker, right? That we knew that there was something like they didn't want to tell anybody. And it was a big secret. We don't want anyone to find out. And then they draft Cleveland Furl. And I was like, dude, you could have told everybody and nobody would care because nobody's taking them that early. And as was kind of expected, I guess, he's been pretty terrible. Granted, most people have, but it's just, it's not good. And so again, I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted because on one hand, I kind of think John Gruden's doing a good job of working with what he has. I just don't know that this team is ever going to have a lot. Granted, Josh Jacobs is phenomenal, but I don't know. I'm just saying, I don't know. Either way, um, again, I don't see a lot of talent on this team, but they're making it work. It's also really not a matter of, well, they're just beating bad teams. I mean, they beat the Denver Broncos, who are not a great team, pretty convincingly. Um, But then they lost to the Chiefs, which is obviously forgivable because it's the Chiefs. Then they lost to the Vikings, which they lost pretty handsomely. But I I, I mean, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm buying the Vikings. I think that's going to be the toughest competition for the Packers. I I think, you know, we'll see if they can continue what they're doing, but I think they've really hit their stride. And as far as looking at the NFC North, I mean, really, I'm I'm a little bit scared of pretty much every team in the NFC North. I think it's by far the best division in football. 
But I, th- I think the Minnesota Vikings are for real. And this was kind of their coming out party as far as being for real, beating the Oakland Raiders 34-14. to um, But then they come back and beat the Colts and they beat the Bears. Maybe that's not that impressive. I don't, I mean, it's hard to say because I don't know how good any of these teams are. Right, the Broncos are no good. I mean, we we could sit here and argue that you know the Broncos are no good, Colts aren't very good, and the Bears are trash. Plus, it was in London, so everything that's always a crazy wild game. Either way, I just I don't think this should be under because really bad teams and and the Oakland Raiders would never have been thought to have beaten the Chicago Bears and the Colts and and probably even the Broncos for that matter. But um, offensively, what we're looking at this is a very old school t- as you would expect. It is an old school yet modern. Um, offense. And what I mean by that is it's not entirely old school with the, the big 240 pound running back fullback guy just smashing people in the mouth. Right? It's a it's a creative West Coast offense. However, um, this team is all running back and tight ends. Granted that's pretty much what the Packers are becoming thanks to injury. And it may be a similar situation. I mean the the Packers and Raiders are similar on offense, just two different degrees. The Raiders don't have any wide receivers. Their best receivers are tight ends. I think they're two best receivers on the team, not not necessarily in terms of, of uh, passing distribution, but in terms of their rank and their PFF grade. The two best receivers on this team are their tight ends. In fact, there's only two guys on this team that have very good receiving grades. The next highest is their number one wide receiver, Tyrell Williams, who has an average receiving grade. But um, the top two have, quote-unquote, very good grades in the 80s. Darren Waller, who just got a three-year contract extension, and rookie Foster Moreau. So the, the tight ends are getting the job done. And that's going to be the big task for the Green Bay Packers is covering up these tight ends. Especially with, apparently, Tyrell Williams probably isn't playing. In fact, let, let's look at that real quick. Uh, right now, Trent Brown, the tackle, uh, is not practicing. He has a calf injury. Also... There are some very serious allegations against Trent Brown. I do think the league is going to be very slow on this, which is the right thing. I mean, there's serious allegations. You want to take them seriously. But we've seen enough um, already in terms of things not exactly being as they seem all the time that you don't want to overreact and rip a guy out of the league and say, you're done until we can resolve this. Come to find out that it isn't exactly the way that it was supposed to be. So in terms of the domestic violence situation, I mean, obviously, if it's true, he needs to be out of the league forever. He needs to be in prison for a very long time because he's a scumbag. However, I think the league and the team are going to investigate this relatively slowly, and if anything happens, I don't think it's going to happen by Sunday. So if he doesn't play, it'll be due to this calf injury. He has not practiced for the last two days, and so we'll see how that goes. That's going to be pretty big. They they paid a handsome penny for Trent Brown to come over, and um, obviously, like any team, when you lose a a prominent tackle like that, it's going to hurt. Um, Tyrell Williams is uh, has also not practiced. He has plantar fasciitis, so there is a good chance that he does not play in this game. Again, that is their number one wide receiver in terms of the actual position wide receiver. Their, their number one receiver is tight end Darren Waller. He does have a foot injury. He was limited participation on Thursday. He was full participation Wednesday, so that's actually something to keep an eye on that he's regressing. But Darren Waller is, is definitely their top receiver. Otherwise, just a couple limited guys, um, Dwayne Harris. Uh, Gabe Jackson is somewhat relevant, being that he is a, a starting guard. Um, LaMarcus Joyner has not been very good. He was a top safety at one point. He's been struggling mightily, but he's also limited. And then, um, yeah, then Darren Waller, who I already mentioned. As for the Packers, since we're on this, uh, Devontae Adams, Geronimo Allison, Kenny Clark, 
um, who, who is new to this, by the way. He practiced in full on Wednesday, did not participate on Thursday. Uh, Jimmy Graham, Darnell Savage, Robert Tanyan, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, and Tremont Williams, um, who also just popped up on Thursday for the first time. None of them practicing, so really going in the wrong direction. This is what happens when you have, I mean, as the weeks go on, this is what happens. This is why bye weeks are so helpful. And so we, we really just got to fight through this and try to get guys back and whatnot as quickly as we possibly can and do the best we can with what we have for now because I, I don't think this is necessarily going to get better. Hopefully we get Devontae back because that's going to be, I mean, that's going to cover up a lot of this. Um, but anyways, yeah, the, the injury issue is definitely more on the, the Packers side. As far as limited, uh, Tony Brown has a hamstring thing still. He didn't play last week. We'll see what happens this week. Um, Balaga's just resting again. Um, Kevin King is limited. Aaron Rodgers limited. Otherwise, um, everybody, I guess, is fine. So, yeah, so the, the Oakland Raiders are um, a dink and dunk team. Derek Carr's job is to, to hand the ball off and throw the ball close to the line of scrimmage to a tight end. That's primarily what we're doing. And, I, I mean, just looking at the target distribution the the second highest targeted player is Tyrell Williams. Again, as far as grade, it's Darren Waller and Foster Moreau. In terms of targets, it's Darren Waller and then a massive gap down to Tyrell Williams. Tyrell Williams has had 24 targets. Darren Waller has had 42 targets. After that, Hunter Renfro has had 19. If you think about that in terms of playing five games, you got Tyrell Williams, your number one wide receiver, and getting the second most targets. He's getting just under five targets per game under five targets per game not receptions targets hunter renfro the rookie um who is the third highest targeted player is getting under four receptions per game he has 19 targets in five games he had seven against kansas city otherwise it's been two four three three that's targets not receptions receptions are an even bigger disparity the second highest receiving player the the guy with the most receptions through five games is tyrell williams with 17 that's just over three receptions in a game. Darren Waller has 37. So Darren Waller is is just a monster because everybody on this team, with the exception of Darren Waller, is hardly at ever seeing the ball. Darren Waller is getting eight targets, seven receptions per game. And then after that, you got uh, Josh Jacobs getting about 17 to 18 carries a game, averaging about five yards per carry. That's it. That's I mean, that's the offense. Throw to your tight end and run the ball. As a result of that, they are 26th in passing attempts and 12th in rushing attempts. However, they're 5th in time of possession. They grind and bleed the clock. They don't throw the ball very often, and they don't even rush the ball all that often. I mean, they're, they're midway, they're 12th. It's just kind of meh. They bleed the clock. They're very methodical. They're fifth in time of possession, over three minutes per possession. They're eighth in plays per drive. They're seventh in yards per drive. They just keep grinding. Now, the benefit of that is, and again, I want to stay away from strategy, but the biggest benefit of that is that the uh, that kind of plays into the Packers' hands because they want as many opportunities as possible. What they're scared of is big plays. The Raiders don't like big plays. They like to grind. So that, that works to a massive disadvantage for us if we can't stop the run. It's a massive positive for us if we can. And so you got Derek Carr, who is a pretty good quarterback. You have, um, I mean, 
probably the worst wide receiver situation in football. And that, that, I mean, it's, it's a competition probably between the Raiders and the Packers. And I know Packer fans are going to be angry hearing that because Marquez is a freak, although he's probably not playing. And every, we, everybody, we got a great, Kumaro's greatest wide receiver in the world. I understand. Still, you know, it's pretty bleak. Um, Hunter Renfro in the slot has not done much. Tyrell Williams, who is already not very good, is probably going to be out. Trevor Davis is um, probably going to be their number one boundary wide receiver, just to give you an idea of how bleak this situation is, which really just means Hunter Renfro is going to be the top uh, wide receiver. Um, on the flip side, however, they're probably going to have Zay Jones going on the, on the opposite end of the field. Um, they just acquired him, and I think he's just kind of getting going as far as um, getting back from injury and ready to go and whatnot. Not a very good receiver. So I'm thinking it's going to be Hunter Renfro, Zay Jones, and Trevor Davis is, is probably where we're at. That's bleak. Um, offensive line, again, it, it kind of depends. I mean, th- this is a pretty solid offensive line. Gabe Jackson on the interior, um, if he's able to play, is going to be pretty significant for them. Richie Incognito, uh, crazy person, always has been a very good offensive lineman, still is a very good offensive lineman. Uh, they got Rodney Hudson in the middle at center. He's a very So the interior, very, very good. Um, Trent Brown is going to be a big, big question mark. If, if he doesn't play, that's problematic. For the Raiders, obviously, not for us. Trent Brown is – did I say Trent Brown or did I say Gabe Jackson again? Either way, um, he's, he's – He's a very balanced offensive lineman. I think one of the reasons that he got paid as much as he did because he's not a top-tier pass blocker. He's not. I mean, he's he's good, but he got paid as though he's like a top five, whatever. But he's not. But he's as good of a pass blocker as he is a run blocker. So he fits this Raiders identity. He can block Derek for Derek Carr, no problem. Again, not elite, but good enough. But he can also run block. Probably one of the better run blocking tackles in football. Outside of that, however, they're they're in not good territory. Um, I would guess David Sharp would be next man up, who is a decent enough pass blocker, um, not a very good run blocker. Otherwise, they got Brandon Parker, but Brandon Parker, I think, is just horrible. I don't know if possibly a, a guard slides out. I don't know their, their, their situation and how that all works. But um, outside of that, their left tackle, Colton Miller, um, he's just not that great. That was another draft pick that you look at and just kind of shrug and go, I don't know about that nonsense. He's he's just, so so opportunities on that side for sure to get Zadarius probably going over there, um, but that's going to be a big question. It, not that it even necessarily has to be, but Colton Miller is going to be a big big question mark in this game. And also again, Gabe Jackson, um, he is expected to play, but that's another thing to uh, keep your eye on. Uh, a little bit of insight, by the way, and thanks again to all the. Um, a lot of this information you're getting is, is compliments of the uh, assistance to the Pack Daddy, uh, especially for the Raider information, thanks to Tristan, uh, Devin, and Justin. A lot of great info, but here, here's some stuff from, uh, from Tristan here as far as how the, Pack, or the, uh, the Raiders offense operates. To, to elaborate on what I was saying with how the offense works, Derek Carr is getting the ball out of his hands in 2.52 seconds on average. That is going to be a negative as far as pass rush. However, again, I think that plays into what the Packers like to do because they like to play press. They like to play play physical football. It's hard to get the ball out of your hands in under three seconds when you got, you know, guys' hands in your, your guys' chest. You got to get off press first. And so physicality is going to be a real big thing. And we got to get Derek Carr to want to throw somewhere and there's just nothing there because he's not even out of his break yet. Um, on top of that, 
Derek Carr's only averaging 4.3 completed air yards, 5.7 intended air yards. Air yards being we're, we're taking away the run after the catch aspect of it. How far are you throwing the ball down the field? And the passes that are completed are averaging only 4.3 yards down the field, which is to say dink and dunk offense. Uh, he is currently the least aggressive quarterback in the league, according to Next Gen Stats, at 11.8%. The only quarterback lower is Kirk Cousins. I'm sorry, second least. I was going to say that doesn't make any sense. So, again, this is what the Raiders do. This is what they want to do. The good thing is I think they're doing it because it works, but it's all they really can do. They don't have the ability, I don't believe, to stretch the field. I mean, you know, you can you can run Trevor down the field and, and try to lob it up like we tried to do. Maybe they have some success. Considering the big plays that we've given up, I'd give it a shot, especially early. You know, that's what the Lions did. You know, the anticipation is the Packers are going to play up because they're going to try to stop the run and press the, the tight ends and, and get you out of your game. So we're going to start early and go over your head. So see if you can load up a big game to Trevor Davis. But I think... Long term, same thing with the Lions, right? We, we tried that out because we're trying to compensate for what you're probably going to do, which is to try to come up close, take away our run game and all that kind of stuff. So knowing that you're going to do that, we're going to go over your head. The problem is that's not your identity long term, although the, the Lions could do that. Um, they probably could handle that long term with Galladay and Stafford. But the Raiders, I don't think, are built that way. So they can maybe hit one of those. I, I don't think they're going to continue uh, long term with that. Anyways, let's take a quick break, and then I am way behind here. Uh, We'll take a look at their defense. I touched on almost nothing that I wanted to, but that's all right. It is what it is. I think what I need is like a three-hour just radio show. I I just, you know, just call up one of the Madison radio stations. Like, look, man, I need need a sports spot. I need three hours. Hook a man up. Uh, Defensively, the Oakland Raiders are much worse off than offensively. So uh, one of the things I did not mention on offense, they've got – Two guys in the very good category, Josh Jacobs and Darren Waller. After that, very close to that, um, 78 is both of their grades. Richie Incognito and Derek Carr also have good grades on Rodney Hudson, Foster Moreau, the tight end, and Trent Brown, their tackle. Defensively, there's only one guy that's graded as being a good football player, and that's edge rusher Benson Mayoa. The problem for the Raiders is that that is their least utilized edge rusher. In terms of snap counts, um, you've got... Cleland as number one. You've got Max Crosby as number two. You got Josh Mauro as number three. You got Arden Key, who is also injured at number four. And then you have Benson Mayoa. They're just, I mean, it's, it's, they don't have a consistent starter that even has a quote unquote good grade. They do have several that are terrible, however, including starters like LaMarcus Joyner, including starters like their number one edge rusher, the guy that they have on the field the most, Cleland Furl. There are other highly utilized, actually pretty much all their other edge rushers. Cleland Furl, Arden Key, and Josh Mauro are um, 16th, 17th, and 18th out of 23 defensive players. They have 16 combined pressures on 303 attempts. That's about 5%. 5% pressure rate. That is beyond pathetic. That is really, really, really bad. Now, Cleland is a little higher at 7%, but that, I mean, that's, that's abysmal. 10% again is kind of where I'm like, all right, that's, that's okay. That's, that's fine. It's not great, but it's sufficient. You're, you're a, you're a starter, right? I mean, that's, that's starter quality. Anything less than that, and it's like, this is not good. Cleland's at seven and is their number one pass rusher. Maurice Hurst, the guy on the interior, um, is the second highest pressures uh, at nine. He has two sacks, two hits. Um, and five hurries, 
and currently is pressuring at about 9%, but Benson Mayoa has nine pressures on only 63 attempts. Of those nine pressures, five of them are sacks, so he has a super high sack conversion rate, but the nine pressures is kind of the biggest aspect here because you can't always count on every pressure converting into a sack. But he's currently at 14%. Why he's being so underutilized, I don't really know, but it does look like he got... um, he had 30 snaps against the Chicago Bears. So it seems like he was given um, his, his biggest opportunity. And he had his best day. He had four pressures of his total nine um, against the Chicago Bears. So we're probably going to see a, a heavy dose of Benson Mayoa. The other benefit to the Packers, I mean, the, the offense really does need to have, uh, it, it should have a good day. Again, I'm not going to talk strategy, but this defensive line is not only pretty bad against the as pass rushers, they're they're pretty bad against the run as well. They're definitely better against the run than they are pass rushers. But you've got Corey Legit is the best guy that they have against the run. They wildly underutilize him. After that, along the defensive line, the best guy they've got is P.J. Hall and Jonathan Hankins, who are currently ranked sixth and seventh uh, on their own team against the run. Uh, the the linebackers are decent enough to hear Whitehead and uh, Nicholas Morrow. But there, there's a lot of opportunity, especially considering the, the teams we've gone up against. This is not the Dallas Cowboys. This is not the Bears. This is not the Vikings. This is not even the, the Denver Broncos. This is not the Eagles. The, this line and linebacking group is not on any of those levels. And it's not it's not the Lions either. The Lions don't have very good linebackers, but they do have a very good defensive line. This this is not that. Um, and overall, the the linebacking group, which is minus Vontez Perfect, I mean, just, just looking at it from a PFF standpoint, nobody has a positive grade. Everybody is average to below average to bad, with the exception of Benson Mayoa. Now, the positive aspect here, and it's probably why Benson isn't getting as much opportunity, is because he's not that great against the run, and I'm sure John Gruden don't like that so much. He's also terrible in coverage. So in terms of his ability to go out there and drop into coverage, he just cannot do it. So he's, he's limited. He's, he's, uh, he's strictly a pass rusher, which is to our benefit. So when Benson Mayo is out there, you got to watch him a little bit. Granted, this is nowhere near the quality of player that we've seen from pretty much every other team. This is not Trey Flowers. This is not Khalil Mack, et cetera, et cetera. We know that we have the ability to attack there as well. That's probably what John Gruden doesn't like. He's a strength in one aspect, but the team is looking at him, licking their chops, knowing they've got opportunities in other areas and other aspects. He's not dropping in coverage, and if he does, you throw it at him, and we also have the ability to run at this guy. Uh, The corners are also a really big weakness, which is to our advantage. That's the biggest difference in this game when you look at the wide receivers and how depleted they are, right? The Packers have big issues at wide receiver, but the Raiders have pretty terrible corners. They don't have a single corner that is graded positively, or I should say as, as being good, in coverage. Um, the, the best coverage corner that they have in terms of, of their coverage grade is Gary and Conley, who is the third highest graded coverage player on their team. Max Crosby is the highest, who is graded average. Vontez Perfect, who is no longer on the team, is graded as average. And then you have Gary and Conley, who is also graded as average, but is a terrible run defender. Conley has been targeted 13 times, given up nine receptions for, uh, let's see, 62 yards. He's only got one pass breakup on the entire season. After that, you got Daryl Worley, um, again, graded out as average. He has been targeted 29 times. You know what? I said that wrong. I think I was reading Vontez Burfitt. Garyon Conley has been targeted 23 times, 
16 receptions, 175 yards, given up three touchdowns, but has an interception and a pass breakup. Daryl Worley, 29 targets, given up 14 receptions for 181 yards, has given up one touchdown, has no picks, but three pass breakups. I believe they're still using LaMarcus Joyner as their slot guy. In other words, he plays safety, and then when we go three wide, LaMarcus Joyner slides up into that uh, corner roll in the slot, and somebody else fills in for him at safety. He is one of the worst cover guys in the league. He is the second worst coverage player on his own team. The only guy that's worse is somebody who has been in coverage exactly six times. By far the worst uh, coverage starter. LaMarcus Joyner has been targeted 32 times, has given up 25 receptions for 241 yards, has given up a touchdown, has one pass breakup on the season, has five penalties so far this year. So there's opportunities there. Also, I mean, the safeties are in the same. I mean, LaMarcus Joyner is one of the safeties, but the safeties also are not great. So it's tough because the Packers don't have a ton of weapons. However, they have a lot of guys that can contribute. And and again, with Matt LaFleur being willing to distribute the ball to whoever the hot hand happens to be, if we've got an opportunity to get Mercedes going, if Jimmy's having a hot day, if the run game is going, if, if Lazard is having a good day, if Kumaro has a good day, whatever it is, we can capitalize on that and continue doing that. And with the the lack of talent they have on their defense, the Packers should be able to find something that's working and just grind that down. And then on the, on the flip side, it's really just a matter of Mike Pettin not having a terrible day, the defense not having a terrible day, because the offense really isn't that great. They have the ability to grind you into the ground, no question about it. But if they can step up and, and just bottle up, I mean, the, the, again, there's two things they need to stop. Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs, that's it. You shut those two things down, they just don't have very much else. So, anyways, that's a quick look at the Oakland Raiders and where they're at right now. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Friday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.